Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And we are recording from Haggerty Driving Social. Oh, Garage and Social. Uh, garage and Social. <laughs> it's the Drivers Club thing. I, it's, it will throw me off. Still, when we start this, I still want to say Rain City all the time. Well, so. like 200 episodes of Drivers Club, you kind of get some brain in your you, muscle it, memory it, of your a, brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing I do remember. So, yeah. Yeah. So. It's good to be back, though. It's Again, it's, a, it's full right now because it's... Well, relatively full. It's raining. Yeah, it's <laughs> raining. So there's a bunch of cars yeah. in here today. Yeah. It's always fun to come back and see the new stuff. I still want a 992 GT3. Everybody wants one. Yeah. Most of them are here. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't mind. That new, uh, the new Speedster down there is kind of nice. So yeah. I'll take that. I'm still drooling over Alex Kocha's uh, Luftacult. <laughs> sure. Maybe I know, I know it it's right. got Colt in it. That's all I got. So, yeah. <laughs> it's Safari so. Porsche, which is a perfect transition into today's episode. Uh, first, we'll do the Carter Subaru Tip of the Week, and then we'll be right back with our guests. All right. This week, we are going to talk about cameras, specifically different modes of your cameras. So since May of 2018, backup cameras have been mandated as standard equipment on all cars in the U.S. About time. Wish I had it on my Turbo S. So when you're backing up, obviously, your backup camera automatically turns on. But what a lot of people haven't looked at is that there's usually options on that screen. So you're not just stuck with one view. So Volkswagen, for example, they have a really nice one in their newer cars. I think since 2018 and newer, they've had this really cool mode system where you can click the mode button on the dash right on the screen, and it will show you different views out of the backup camera. One of them shows all the highlighted objects that the sensors are picking up. So different cars, obstacles, things like that. And they show in different, um, it's kind of like squares, but it shows them in red, yellow, green. So the farther they are away, they should show up in green, but they're, if they're really close, they're in red. And those sensors pick up all the way or all around the car on a lot of cars. So you can do a top-down view on some Teslas and more luxury cars. You can do a full 360 view as it stitches the cameras all together. Or you can do, uh, if you're pulling forward, you can activate your front camera and that has multiple views connected with the cameras that are often placed in the bottom of the mirrors. You can get this really cool front end stitch. So the Raptor, for example, being so large, I get it really, really close to walls at work. And because of my winch sticks out a little bit from the front bumper, I want to make sure I don't damage the winch, the bumper, the front of the truck. But with those cameras, even with the terrible resolution the screen has, I can get within just an inch or two of that wall and take up the whole parking space without having that giant truck stick out. So as we always say, RTFM, read the manual, the game with your car. <laughs> Most of you haven't. God knows I haven't read mine cover to cover even after a year. I'll be honest. Bad on me. But that said, check out the different camera views in your car. When you go in reverse, just look at the screen. See if there's a button there for the camera or a menu button there. And you'll might probably find different views and different options, even on inexpensive cars. So it's worth checking out. So that is your Carter Automotive Group Tip of the Week. And we're back, and after looking at that car, you know, there's just one perfect place to drive that thing, and we haven't touched it yet. Nope. I'm going to convince Alex to, though, I swear. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do it, Alex. I mean, I'll be there. I'll be there right there with you. If you Filming? Think, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and the perfect the place carnage? to drive yeah. that yeah. car would be one of the backcountry discovery routes. You know, we've had a little bit of experience on those. A little bit. Um, we did see a Tesla on there once. He was very lost. Oh that was very entertaining. God. <laughs> he was way lost. <laughs> Considering how he came past us and we went down another a long ways. He was far from where he should have been. I'm so. still amazed he made it as far as he did. I'm kind know. of impressed. Kind of terrified that that person is on the road and he's probably. Asked, and he's wondering why all of us are staring at him going. <laughs> like, you know, so. Well, with us today, we have the masters of the BDR that we are so thankful for. Because if you've listened to this show at all, you've heard Nick and I talk endlessly about the most fun experience we've ever had on a motorcycle. And we're not kidding been riding my whole life, and the best experience I've ever had was riding the Wabder on our Honda Monkeys. <laughs> to the point where, actually, after we're done tonight, we're going to start planning this year's route. 
Yeah, we've got the so, Idaho BDR map in front of us. Thanks to our. They won't uh, let us. Butler they maps. won't let us back in Washington. So I right, mean, it's yeah. time to. Yeah, so. <laughs> Paul and Eno, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, all motorcycles are fun, even the small ones. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can, a big bike I can see. Like, I want to take my big bike there, but I, there's just so much more joy on my monkey, and people, people wonder about it. Like, I actually took it out riding yesterday, and, and some guy's like, you're kind of big for that bike. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> the suspension never... is worth more than my car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have Olin's all the way around on pretty much all the monkeys at this point, because it's worth it. Those oh. of us that weigh over 240 pounds do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you're going to need a little aftermarket help, uh, big guys on small bikes like that. Yeah, well, and thanks to Olin's, we did get it. Like, it's amazing how those bikes coming from the factory, they're, they're built for literally a small tie boy. Um, and, you know, I sit on it and it just bottoms out. So, yeah, that was my, but uh, it was a great time. But if you don't know what, you know, the back road discovery routes are, could back you give country? us back, sorry, I'm going to do that. You do I, every I, time. Do, every time I do that, so I'm consistent. <laughs> It's not the first time we've heard that. Yeah, okay, good. Well, it's probably not from me. Um, <laughs> well, could you give us a little breakdown on what it is and how it became? Sure. Uh, so, Backcountry Discovery Routes, BDR, we're a nonprofit advocacy organization, and we create and preserve adventure riding opportunities uh, for dual sport and adventure motorcyclists. Our mission is fivefold. You know, we, we create routes. Uh, we also manage routes. Currently, we have 11 routes in the BDR system. And uh, all the resources we provide are free to the community. So anybody can come to the website, download free GPS tracks, buy the Butler motorcycle map, watch one of our feature-length documentary films, and go and have an amazing adventure in the backcountry with, without having to spend a lot of time planning it. Um, we also educate the motorcycle community about um, safe travel on public lands. We currently have three educational programs, Ride Respectfully, Ride Right, and Yield to Animals. And so that just helps people to understand how to be good ambassadors of the sport and have a good time in the backcountry. Also through our routes, uh, we bring economic impact to rural communities in the state. So most of our routes go through some of the most uh, remote parts of the state where these little towns might have lost uh, economies. And so all of a sudden, we have an influx of BDR riders who are spending money on gas and lodging, camping and so forth. And so kind of revitalizing these local economies and uh, the land managers recognize this form of uh, recreation as well as this, the tourism offices uh, for the states where we have the routes. So, yeah, and then finally just uh, inspiring people to go and have adventures of a lifetime uh, in the backcountry and using the public roads for outdoor recreation. And I, we've talked about it on here, like we, we, Wabder is, is the Washington Backroad Discovery. Backcountry. See, if I read it off her shirt, I will get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. You still or not. Didn't. I know. That's why the joke. Hey, for effort, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and we can attest to that. I would tell anybody who is just starting out on ADV riding, the backcountry discovery routes are exactly where you want to go. They are perfect for you. Remote enough to get you to see some of the most beautifully accessible areas of any state that they are in. Uh, approachable, for one, because if you follow the instructions and read the actual website, you will be prepared, comfortable, and happy on this route. You will have resources available to you. And it's just, it is such a huge gift to the community and not just with adventure motorcycles, which I know it's for. We've done the BDR on cars as well and treaded lightly for the record. We are very, very respectful off-roaders. We stay on the roads and you should too, so we can keep going to these areas. That said, anybody who wants to do this again or wants more information, please reach out to us or go to ridebdr.com. So we know what the routes are. Uh, we know there are, how many states? Seven states? 
Is it now? Is it oh. more eleven Ten? routes, but more like sixteen states because the the routes on the over, east coast yeah. have multiple states in them. Very cool. So, Ina, starting with you, how did you get into this? Because you one, let's clear the clear the air right now. We've had a lot of women on the show. You're not riding a tiny little bike. I'm riding a mid-sized bike. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not very big. Uh, you're running like KLR650 right now? Uh, no, that was my first bike. Uh, I'm on okay. uh, Husky 701 right now. Oh, very cool. That's a nice bike. Mm-hmm, very Fast nice. bike. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of bike. How did you get into riding, especially onto this level? Uh, so when I got to Seattle, I'm originally from Moscow, Russia. Got here about 25 years ago and uh, lived in Seattle and I was scooting around. I had a derby uh, scooter for many years. I never owned a car until I met a guy who had a dream of riding to South America on a motorcycle. And that was kind of at the time when adventure riding was just starting out. And so he had this map of South America and he said, you know, do you want to do this with me? I said, sure, I'll be on the back of your bike. And then he said, no, you know, if, if you come with me, you should uh, ride your own bike. So we decided to do this. We planned for about a year, saved some money. Um, I took a motorcycle training course. We bought two KLR, two new KLRs. Um, and yeah, and then just started out on our adventure from Seattle to Ushuaia at the bottom of South America. Uh, wow. So yeah, we quit our jobs, sublet our apartment and uh, traveled for six months Uh, and then we came back home and I started looking for a job in the industry and uh, ended up working for TourTech in marketing and then eventually Paul asked me to uh, join the BDR and help him I guess take the organization off the ground. (laughs) Yeah exactly. Yeah so I've been there for I've been at the BDR for eight years now. Awesome. That's a hell of a first trip going to the bottom of South America, go big or go home. Like that's kind of redefining go big or go home on a motorcycle trip. You were riding a scooter around here. Had you ridden motorcycles before or literally you took the course and then just decided to ride to South America? Exactly. Wow. We we did one uh, kind of uh, test trip to Laguna Seca and I actually rode my KLR on the the Laguna Seca track. Uh, That was it. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. But you rode a scooter around Seattle for... Many, many years. Yeah. So. Which is probably more I've dangerous than riding to South America, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had a KLR. I loved it. It was just such a big bike, and I wasn't using it for what it was to be used for. And so, yeah. But uh, they're, they're great bikes. And, Paul, how about you? So, earlier we were talking about the 50s, doing the BDR on the 50cc bikes, and that was my background in the motorcycle industry as I worked for BBR Motorsports. Oh, I know BBR very well. Yeah, you you 50cc guys would know BBR. (laughs) So that was the funny thing is I worked, did aftermarket accessories for the smallest possible bikes that go off-road. And uh, that industry kind of fizzled pretty quickly when we went into the 08 recession. And I was just looking for a new job and I found a general manager job at TourTech USA, which was aftermarket accessories for the biggest motorcycles that go on dirt. Um, But it was the same basic business, just a larger bike. So I ended up joining there 14 years ago, something like that, and uh, been there ever since. And then shortly after I joined there, then we we ended up starting uh, the BDR, which is a whole nother story. But I do remember in my BBR days going through the dirt bike magazines and seeing like the KTM 950 mm-hmm. and thinking, who in the hell would ride a 950cc <laughs> dirt bike? Yeah. That doesn't even make sense because I was in the world of 50s, 110s, yep. you know, a 150. Light as possible. Yeah. 150 was, was 20 a big, of these bikes. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> the 450 seems like huge. How, why would you need two 450s? That makes no sense. And then now I've spent the last, you know, 14 years of my career 
in that space with really big adventure bikes. And now I get it. They're super fun. They're just different, you know, but you can have just as much fun on a 950 or 1000 cc motorcycle on a forest service road as you can have on a small bike on, on a track it's just a different kind of fun but it yeah. is super cool and what's unique about it is when you get into a bike that big you can carry the gear with you that you need and it's kind of like speed backpacking but you're covering <laughs> 150 miles a day instead of 15 miles a day and you don't have to carry anything the motorcycle is carrying yep. everything for you and so it's pretty amazing to be able to explore you know all day long with everything you need but it feels like you're just riding a dirt bike out there with with your friends so that's the sort of the magic of of backcountry riding and adventure riding explain to us a little bit how when, when you pick a new state that you want to put a route through how does that go like are you guys going out there and, and talking to riders that are, have ridden the state are you going out and trying to find the routes um, yeah i mean we start like even with Wyoming, for example, which is our latest route, we started four years ago. And um, I mean, looking at our scouting team, looking at the maps, uh, flying in Google Earth, you know, looking at, at, at forests and, and uh, talking or talking to local uh, vol- volunteers or uh, riders um, in the area and getting some intel from them and then doing multiple scouting trips to make sure, you know, roads work out and then eventually stitching it into a route so it does take a, a mul- multiple years to create a route yep. and, and we're looking for roads that are remote um that go you know through mountain ranges in the forest all of all of the bdrs are on public roads so we want to make sure that these routes stay active you know st- stay open in perpetuity so yeah it's, it's quite a process yep and i would say in the early days some of us insiders would you know do a lot of the scouting and uh, as time has, has gone on and we've ventured into states further away from where we live, we now really tap into locals. And, and in fact, on the, the Northeast BDR, I think we had six different locals that were instrumental in showing us sort of their backyard, the best adventure riding roads in, in their section. And that one went through, I think, six states or something like that. And so we had local knowledge. And so we try and really use locals as much as possible, especially for routes that are further away. Yeah, when we plan rallies, because we've done multiple rallies, uh, car rallies and stuff, I'm actually, I jump on YouTube and I find, because motorcyclists are the ones who look for the fun roads. And so I go, like, find, I'll find a road that looks good on Google Maps and be like, hmm, I wonder what that's like. And then I'll find somebody on YouTube who's done it on a motorcycle almost every single time, because those guys are looking for the twisties. And then sometimes I'll just message them and be like, hey, when's, because the video will be like from 2016. It's filmed in, you know, barely HD and. I'm like, you almost died, but you made it. How's the road now? <laughs> and usually they'll respond and be like, oh, let me go run it real quick. <laughs> excuse to go drive the road, and I found some amazing roads that way. Yeah, the R&D sounds like the fo- most fun part. Like, um, we should go ride this to make sure. Just to make other- sure. Yeah, absolutely. So. It, and you, you brought up a, a good point there, and that is that the roads do change, and that's one of the big challenges yeah. is that we've had things that we've scouted and we were super happy with, and we went back there, and the dirt road had become a paved road, and that totally was not what we were expecting and not what we were after. Other times we've actually scouted something and then when we go to film it, um, there's been a weather event or like a flash flood or serious rain and this road became totally unrideable. We just couldn't, literally couldn't get bikes through there. Um, Or sometimes someone scouts it uh, a sandy section after it has rained and it's cooler out and everything's packed and nice and easy and we go back there and it's 90 (laughs) degrees and it's like volleyball beach sand and it's just a mess getting through there. And so it really can change. That's one of the challenges for the BDR is managing these routes and uh, things change and so we have to react and reroute and that's where we really use the local knowledge because yeah someone's got to run out there and check it out and see what it's looking like today 
Well, we experienced that. I mean, with the 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 slide on the. Well, you've got the the famous beehive washout, which everybody knows about. We've been through there many times. You know, it's funny. Super easy on the monkeys. A little harder in the raptor. <laughs> we had a we had a giant Dodge truck that came through, and he went through there faster than I did, which was pretty impressive. I was like, I was like, I don't know if I, I'm going to take my time. He races was, king of the hammers, to be yeah. fair. So this was like he's like, this is a Sunday drive. Yeah, one hand. So, <laughs> we can yeah. do it reverse. Uh, yeah. No, we were driving. We were riding south out of Chelan on the monkeys. <laughs> And there's that silt in outside of the uh, the jungle area there, and it's just like if you think of a, a ten inch wheel, <laughs> just thump. you very easily go down, and sometimes it will even eat the GoPro that was on the front of your bike. So I mean, we, we put that out there. If anybody runs that route, there's a GoPro in the silt somewhere. So yeah, there are some silt beds on the Crashing Washington. Crashing into it doesn't hurt as bad though, especially on a monkey. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you just disappear and no one finds you. Pretty much just buried yeah. in the yeah. silt. Exactly. Yeah, there are some sections of the BDR these days where the silt, I believe, is deeper than a ten inch wheel. Oh yeah, yeah, we found it. It, was, it just made it more fun though, because you just laugh because the bikes are just so ridiculously small, and we're like, well, I guess I'm just gonna kick it, <laughs> like you know, you're like kicking a uh, a bike without a, a motor at that point. Well, you can just pick it up out of the rut and set it on the high part, right? Oh, we do. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find a big rock, foot, you just foot pick pedal. it up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, we're not we're not dealing with a 650 or something like that where you can just sort of power your way through it. And you're a little farther off the uh, silt, too. You know, with the monkey, you're a little closer and uh, more in at the inhale. How did you guys carry your gear? Oh, we had a chase vehicle. The so, giant Dodge truck. Yeah. Uh, yes. And so, and, and we hoteled it. We just went from city to city, which made it a lot easier. And we yeah. actually had backpacks with hydration, and we started out with racks on the back of our bike. Mine broke very quickly because that bike was never, or that rack was never meant to take that kind of abuse. Kind of what what was on the market that we could use. So we quickly learned what gear worked and what gear didn't. And uh, yeah, I won't, I won't. If we put panniers and gear on those bikes, you wouldn't be able to find the bikes. <laughs> like a normal, you know, normal side bags and stuff like that just wouldn't work. And like I said, his, his rack, your rack broke like the first day. Oh yeah. Not even like three hours into the yeah, ride. It was I so mean, bent. It was unusable. I was like, well, I'll just toss it in the back of the truck. Yeah. So oh, luckily, you tossed it in the wood. Oh, we shouldn't say that. Uh, no, <laughs> no, we had good support on that. So, which, which made it possible for us. So. Well, you know, with the monkeys, it was a little bit more in the fact that, like, we had a chase truck because if, if one of those breaks down, you can fix it on the side of the road, but also just put it in the back of the truck. It's a little bit different than, you know, being able to have a center stand on a, on a KLR or something like that. So Yeah, we did a clutch swap at uh, the hotel at night. We literally just swapped the bike over, and it was actually our own fault. When I did my clutch upgrade, I had one of the springs a little bit off-center. And it was just riding the clutch plate like this, so I couldn't get the clutch to engage evenly. And so, but sure enough, just pop the cover off. New clutch is good to go. 125 cc's. You know, it really rips through those clutches. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. What big challenges besides ever changing conditions have you found? Any like just massive, like oh man, major challenge on a BDR route, either government or local or weather? Like, what's have you seen, seen anything just completely derail you guys and have to go around it? We're scouting the Oregon BDR right now, and. Uh, with the fires last year, there's a whole section which is probably the, the highlight of the whole route is completely destroyed. So we have to go around it and it takes about a day to loop back into the planned route. So fires are definitely a problem, becoming a bigger problem yeah, for riders. Yeah, becoming a normal problem, unfortunately, yeah. which yeah. is sad to say that is a normal problem. But man, we ran into that in a car rally. We had to re- detour almost 200 miles in the middle of a rally. Like it was just, just that day. They're like, nope. Last day, you're cut off. We ran yeah. into it on the monkey rally, too. We had oh, five yeah. days planned, and like three of them got shut down. I mean, and obviously with the monkey, we probably could have made it through, but that wouldn't have been really good publicity. It's like, you know, everything shut down. These, these idiots on small motorcycles are riding through. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think uh, one of the 
sort of situations we've run into a number of times is where the road is just completely washed out. I've seen it on the Washington BDR just riding along, and there's just this perfect bite out of the road where something had flooded and just washed out a culvert or something and stripped it out. And that was pretty common in, in Utah when we filmed the Utah BDR. I mean, you had to really be careful because you'd come around a corner and there was just pieces of road missing and you either had to stop or you had to try to get the front wheel light enough <laughs> that you up. could yeah. Yeah. bounce through it, which added a whole other element to the adventure. And then we, you know, we've had things where people ran into like a deer or something. There's been some wildlife yeah. collisions or even collisions with other riders that we've seen. That's what prompted that ride right program. Yes. Keep we right. Were, we were, I know we we're staring at the Idaho BDR map. They're planning your next uh, monkey adventure. That's where we were somewhere. It was a rainy Wednesday night, seven o'clock. We hadn't seen anyone in days. And just all of a sudden there were two guys on dirt bikes in the same place in the same time as us. And they, one of them, was in the wrong lane and ran head on into a 990 and he broke his leg and it was Ooh. a bad situation and and we'd heard of a few other stories similar to that and that's where we came up with the ride right campaign to try and spread awareness for staying in the far right hand track because most of the bdr is on just two track you know or for narrow forest service roads we try and use as much off-road you know dirt sort of and gravel roads as possible and sometimes people cut corners or they just kind of think that they're the only ones out there. You're in the middle of nowhere. Most yeah. of the time you are the only yeah. one out there, but it's just um, sometimes you'll come around that corner and there's a forest service truck or there's someone out there scouting for hunting or sometimes there's guys on dirt bikes. And so that's where we um, came up with that program. We have these little ride rate stickers and all of us run them on our, the back of our windscreen facing us as a, just a constant reminder to, oh, that's right, smart, stay right. And once you get used to that, it's actually pretty fun to just stay in that right lane. You know, usually it's lightly cupped and it's just kind of a rail. Once you get used to riding over there, it's just fine and you lose the temptation to cut corners, but it's something that's uh, really important and that's uh, what the BDR spends a lot more time and energy these days on these, these PSA, public safety campaigns. We need those for our windshields. I can't tell you the amount of time I've spent in the left lane. But, and on the monkey, though, it was like, that, that rut's too deep and it will eat me, so I went to the left. But we should probably put those on ours. Yeah. You should definitely put them on yours. <laughs> yeah. Brian's here. Yeah. Hi, Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah Idaho is ex- ex- exceptionally remote. I've actually done sections of that. I, stayed, I lived in McCall for a month. Oh, I just wow. decided to move there for, I had a distance between buying a house where I did I had 30 days where I was like well I don't know where to go so I was like let's move to McCall because I love it there <laughs> so I explored every back road I could I was like how far away can I drive from McCall that have to turn around before it gets dark yeah and that was what I did in the truck and on the Honda Monkey actually every back road up there saw the bus yeah. and that's what inspired our Idaho trip this year I was like let's do something because Washington is as great as it is and it is amazing because Washington is so population dense I think there was only a few times I didn't even have cell service so I was like, let's get out there. Let's really get out there. And Idaho, being close and out there, is a great spot for that. I, I want Wyoming. I want to do Wyoming. I mean, oh, I do too. We, we, we took a trip to Wyoming during COVID, and I have fallen in love with that state. And it's just... Well, that's I, remote. I, I know. I know. <laughs> it <laughs> is so good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've ridden all 11 routes, and that one, I think, is my favorite. Wyoming? It's definitely, yeah, it's for sure in the top two or three. I mean, Utah is is fantastic as well, depending on the weather and what's going on. But Wyoming blew my mind, just the, the sheer remoteness, the amount of wildlife that we saw out there, and just the volume of just super bitchin' 
two track fun flowy you know and i were talking about we came up with the phrase mad flow it just had mad flow <laughs> you, you know there's in every bdr there's those sections you yeah. know and sometimes they're fewer and, and far in between wyoming it just kept coming and coming and it was just i think the if you could quantify you know the the fun factor i think it had more fun factor for longer stretches than any other bdr and so that's what made it kind of my, my top choice all right 2023 is wyoming sure. let's just say it right now twist my that Okay. All right, done. there we go. Okay, so there we go. It does have a <laughs> narrow window of opportunity because yeah. it's so high there, and the snow melts very late in the season, starts flying again early in the season, so it's pretty narrow, and that's yeah. why... You don't have to get high. You can just go there, Brett. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> a, yeah, mid-July to, like, yeah. early September, and that's yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the narrow window. That's what took us so long to scout it because it was hard to get in there and, and scout that much in such a, sh- a short window of time, but you definitely... <laughs> Dan and I are looking at each other going, we can do that. Yep, we'll, no problem. we'll find the window. I'm not Second a problem. Second weekend in September <laughs> after the kids go back to school. It's Absolutely. Time to go. Yep. Plus, you guys could just ride those bikes right under the moose. Absolutely. When you, yeah, when that's you what come I was across think. the moose on the road. I was just... thinking more buffalo, but moose works too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I haven't actually seen the route as far as uh, Wyoming goes. Do you, you guys go it's through the Jackson eastern Hall? side. Is it eastern side? Okay. Yeah, we don't actually hit Jackson, unfortunately, oh, okay. or Alpine. We still figure that out. But you go through Cody, or you can come through Cody and down a little bit, right? Yeah. It's okay. pretty cool over there. Can we still get slushies? Yes. Okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> we have a favorite uh, slushy stop. Oh, okay, good. Uh, between Alpine and Jackson Hole, there's you know the snake, and we, we floated that, and all uh-huh. the stores there have slushies, which are alcoholic slushies. So, you know, so then we went and got on a river. <laughs> Bad for riding, great for floating oh, lazily. Oh, wonderful float, wonderful, wonderful float. Drinking and floating. Yep, yep, yep. 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 So... I mean, okay, so give, let's go a little bit backstory, obviously, of where, where this came from, how you guys got the idea. Obviously, you guys were working for some companies, uh, the company, what's the name of it? TourTech. TourTech. And, and where did the idea come from to kind of start this? Yeah, so when I started at TourTech, I came from off-road side of things, motocross, um, didn't have any experience with adventure motorcycles, and, and I was the general manager at TourTech, so um, Tom, the owner, wanted to get me up to speed on it, and he had ridden the Oregon BDR back when it first came out in the late 1990s, early 2000s. And so he and I just decided to go ride it as a way to get some experience with the Touratech bikes and product and that. And being a marketing guy, I wanted to get some content out of it. So I wanted to bring a photographer and a film person. And so Helge Pedersen, who was a famous world traveler photographer, he was a friend of of Touratech USA and Tom. So we invited him to come along and then Sterling Norin, who had, at the time, filmed all the Globe Riders DVD documentaries. So we invited him to come along, and we just went out there and, and rode Oregon and filmed some stuff. And the result of that is we made a little YouTube short that we put up on the internet. I think it was one of the first videos on our YouTube channel. This was in 2009 or 10. And that got a lot of, a lot of views, and people were interested in it. We would play a longer version in our trade show booth. And then some guys from Seattle saw that and they were inspired by it and they wanted to create a similar route in Washington. And they also wanted to make a film. So they called Sterling and they were all excited about it until they realized there was nobody that wanted to pay for it. <laughs> so they called Touratech. We went out to lunch and, you know, before the check came for lunch, we, Tom, who, who was the owner of, of Touratech USA at the time, you know, agreed to, to fund it. And I agreed to take it on and sort of manage that first project. And so with those guys, we, we created the Washington BDR. Um, Bryce Stevens and Andrew Cole were the two guys that came with the idea. And they, they created the route. We were just there to help. We arranged a little bit of sponsorship and built a website and kind of made it a thing and, and d- decided to make it free for the community and all that stuff. And Touratech 
sponsored it. We, we paid for everything for that first one. So that was the beginning. And then before we were even done with that, we were having so much fun. We were like, God, we should do this in another state. And we all immediately gravitated towards Utah. Oh, yeah. Because we'd ridden mountain bikes down there and other forms of recreation. And it's such a cool place. So My we, favorite state. To go yeah, visit, yeah. Before we were even finished filming Washington, we were already dreaming about Utah. And then it just... And next thing you know, 11 years later, we have 10,000 miles of, you know, managed BDR adventure at your fingertips for free on the internet. Yeah, I was, this is not just meant as praise. It's a genuine statement. You guys have the nicest, one of the nicest websites I have ever seen for route planning. It's just bar none. I have never come across anything even close to as nice as that. It, it's part of the reason it's good is because uh, Tim James, who's one of our board members and the current president, he owns a creati- creative agency in New York, New Jersey area. They have big national um, clients. And so uh, he, he does much of that work for free. He does all of his work for free, but he has, he has a team of contractors and employees that help out. And so we've had uh, very top tier um, talent and skills at our fingertips and so they've really it shows yeah that's why it looks so good is because we've got you know national caliber talent doing all of our creative yeah i kind of direct everybody to like you want to see what's done right do this and then if you can get like 10 percent of that you're still doing good because uh, they're so accessible like when we were doing idaho i was like man all the hard work is done and then i jump on facebook and i started asking questions if you guys monitor that i've already been asking like okay i don't know if we'll have time to do the wyoming section and i know i should there's not montana section yeah excuse me it's like it's not a lack of want (laughs) there's no lack of want it's a matter of time and like how do i do this and truthfully the only thing that's stopping us is is that longer stretch on on pavement because the monkeys are great and they're fun but on freeways and stuff like that you're just in the way we did that (laughs) actually going into into shalan was it was death yeah (laughs) we're like i mean you're vibrating to death at 50 going yeah we've all been on pavement on too small of a motorcycle and it's a lot less fun than the bigger bikes and that's where the the balance between the bike size is is really important yeah but the other the thing about the bdrs the cool thing is that they're built in sections Mm -hmm. and so you can do as much or as little as you want you can break it up in in different times sometimes uh if you have a, a lot of people will come to us and say hey i don't have time to do the whole thing i only have four days, what should I do? And there's always a best answer to that on here's where the best section is. Or if you only have Ride four days, faster. Yeah, <laughs> d- drop this. Well, there's that. That's always In the bad. right lane and watch out for animals. And that's always a yeah. bad idea. Yeah, no, exactly. Universally. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. shots of alcohol. Always a yeah, bad exactly. idea. Yeah. Yeah. It might but be, I'm warm. It sounds fun, but it's always a bad idea. Exactly. And yeah. so is riding too fast. Isn't Absolutely. that right, Ina? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Oh, there's a story there, Ina? <laughs> there is. Please do tell, actually. Well, just go watch the North Northeast BDI film. Okay. When you But even that film doesn't tell the whole story. When you are uh riding off road with Mike Lafferty and he he, he <laughs> chooses not to keep up with you. Yeah. You might be riding too fast. Wow. Oh, okay. That's funny. I remember him from is it Fox Films? Was he in Terra Firma? Well, no, that's no. Austin. That's Austin Vince. I think you're thinking of. Uh, oh, I think going so, way back. So Mike Lafferty is an eight-time AMA Enduro champion, yeah. one of the best off-road riders the world yeah, yeah, has I ever did. seen. And he won't follow you. He backed he off <laughs> on some corners, <laughs> and then a little while later, Fair. we couldn't find Ina because Ina was in the woods because <laughs> she didn't make the corner. So it sounds like you were just exploring a different route through the corner, correct? I, mean, <laughs> I did I did some of that on the monkey where I was like, "Oh, I'm going straight. I'm still going straight." <laughs> so. It was just so much fun yeah. that 
you forget about speed. Understood. <laughs> you're just in that groove and you're like, yeah. oh no. Remember this, Dan. Like when, when oh, you I've had to there. sit on the side of the road and wait for us for five minutes to catch up to you. <laughs> like there were times when Dan would leave us and I would come around a corner and the dust had settled. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we ride with some people like that too. Yeah, there good. was a couple of sections. So I, I used to ride in Enneat when I was a kid. And so going through those sections, I was like, there's that, those memories keep popping up. It's like, oh, I know this road. I know where this slides because I've been through that a hundred times. And I'm like, oh, they haven't. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hit a deer. <sighs> They're cuddly. I'd be fine hitting it on my 450. I'm okay with that. No, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Well, I'm saying I feel like I'd be more protected. Small deer. That's just mean. So that brings up one of our our most recent uh, PSAs, which is yield to animals. That's something that has become increasingly important. We go through a lot of ranch lands. Oh, yeah. So our ability to go in these amazing places, especially in Wyoming, these places that are big livestock industry, is we've got a... Find when we, we come a, across a gate, if it's shut, we leave it shut when we go through. If it's open, you leave it open. Um, that's a livestock thing, but also just to really slow down around the animals so we don't spook them. I mean, it's somebody's livelihood, and so making sure that the cows don't get injured or in trouble, you know, trying to scurry quickly. So you, you make noise and you give them time. And same with the wildlife. There's <clears throat> You mentioned hitting a deer. I've seen a guy hit a deer. It didn't go well for the deer or the guy. And so um, really slowing down, giving that wildlife a chance to figure out where it wants to go and to just back off. And you got to remember that we are guests in their area. So we've got to really respect them, whether it's horses, dogs, you know, cows, sheep. We, we, we ran or didn't run. We rode through some flocks of sheep in Wyoming and just kind of slow down and let them do their thing. I've ridden through herds of elk over in eastern Washington between times. between Cashmere <laughs> uh, and Ellensburg. Up in, it's, it's Clockham. It's not on the BDR. We were actually scouting for the BDR and I rode through. It's the largest herd in Washington. It's hundreds of elk, and it was just at dusk. We were riding, and these things were just coming across the road, and we just had to slow down and just let them do their thing and move enough that it's you... It's things you don't get to see. In the, I mean, like to me, I, I want to stop and just be like, and take that in. It like, was, that's amazing. It was incredible. Yeah, and, and so it's really important. Yeah, yield to animals, whether it's livestock or, or wild animals. I was doing... Uh, I was riding up a ridge, like full tilt was way back a long time ago trying to get up this ridge because it was all shale and I was like you know just trying to stay on the throttle and I popped up over the top like uh, you know literally popped up and slapped the bike down right in the middle of a herd of elk and none of them were happy to see me and they all stampeded in every direction I was just like ah <laughs> back in my early 20s it, it can be terrifying I've oh yeah I've had some close calls where you know the deer comes you know comes across the road and we were so close that I just I closed my eyes and braced for impact and nothing ever happened to my open eyes he just turned on a dime and went the other way Man. but it was like you felt like you could taste it it was so close but um, yeah they're out there and there's certain we've learned certain times of the day to just back off and slow down that especially and I have a saying that is nothing good ever happens after 5 p.m on an adventure motorcycle and that's when most of the worst injuries I've seen have, have been in that. You get tired and fatigued and the, the dust is, you know, when the, the sun gets a little lower and the dust is backlit, it's hard to see. There's more animals out. So there's things you learn over time to just um, chill after five um, because of the animals, but, but also ruts get hidden in dust and things like that. And you're tired, so. Yeah, we, we try and keep everything kind of main daylight hours the bikes are so small i mean it, it, you, in visibility even a little bit of a difference makes such a huge difference when you're that small a small rock uh, is a little larger on a tiny bike and so Headlight, yeah. i mean the headlights don't work that well either no, it's not no like, i mean and so yeah it's yeah idaho though um i remember just driving out there i was scouting out the route as i was living in mccall and man i can't believe how many animals i saw it was just 
bear, moose, elk, deer, some cat. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's, that's a threat. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's, I can't wait to get out there with you guys. You're going to have a good time. I mean, I, the, I think the hardest part about doing, the, the, doing it last year was coming off and, and like sitting for the last you know, however many months. Like it's, yeah. cause it's I, I want to be back out there con- consistently. Like it's just. It makes you want to move. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of things here make me want to move, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> if you guys, uh, have you ventured out of the, I know you have ventured out of the country. How, is, is there plans for BDRs out of the country? I mean, Canada's kind of an untapped area with a big adventure community. Yep. Yeah. So we rely on public lands to create our routes and there's only so many states that have uh, public lands that you can ride through. And they're typically the states that have mountain ranges in them. That's why we're able to do these north south routes across a state or a region. And so pretty much west coast, you know, in the Rockies, there's opportunities and on the east coast, there's mountain ranges. But most of the heartland in between those spots, it's all just private land. It's just big squares of, of farmland that you can't really get through off-road. Or if you could, it's not something you really want to ride. And so we're going to be running out of states and regions to do BDR routes in, you know, in this next decade in the U.S. So naturally, we're, we're looking beyond those borders. And um, we've got our eyes on a number of countries and um, provinces in Canada, and so that's absolutely in the future. And so I know BC and Alberta are big, have a very, very large adventure and off-road community. So does Australia, New Zealand, and I'm dying to get to Australia to ride. But I mean, the the, the, the benefits of the Oklahoma BDR is you can see the end from the start. It's, I mean, it's just straight across. So it's, you know, it's easier <laughs> Nebraska. No, yeah. Just <laughs> so there are some pockets of incredible riding in places that you can't necessarily do a whole cross-state sure. route. And that's um, the newest program the BDRs come up with is the, the BDR-X. And these are routes that are loops, and they, they can be anywhere. And, and typically, they're going to be in a state that we have a BDR or a state where a BDR is not really practical, but they've got some really amazing riding opportunities. And so BDR is uh, launching the first one in, in Wyoming, in the Red Desert, which Ina um, got to ride. I didn't. I, I showed up late to that party, but that's the first one, and there's going to be more of them coming out so they're going to be shorter they're going to loop and because of that flexibility we can do them in places where we can't do a complete you know border to border typical classic north south um, bdr route super useful yeah i can see that especially like there's that great uh, route out of alpine that we looked at we went fishing off the snake there but there's that that route goes for 200 miles does it really yeah i don't know that goes on the top of the state so let me switch this up quite a bit I'm a new adventure rider. I've just decided I'm going to go get my first adventure bike, my little 650 or whatever it's going to be. Where do you think I should start? You guys are both with Tour Tech. You know this industry better than anybody. From the pros, what's the first thing I should go buy? What's the first thing I should go do? Because we all love mods. Yeah, I mean, I think the f- the first thing to do is to go and do some training, <laughs> off-road training, <laughs> you where you could actually do it on a smaller bike. Maybe do a couple trainings with different trainers. <laughs> and then, I mean, I would recommend buying a used bike and then just start it start practicing your trips you know you don't we don't recommend you do bdr right away but maybe you do a few sections where you practice with a fully loaded bike which is a completely different thing riding you know fully loaded bike versus a a practice bike or or no luggage at all um i think you know making sure that you have the riding skills that you have the right protection, the right apparel and gear to protect yourself, that your bike is protected. So outfitting your bike so you can lay it down as many times as you want. I guess finding other riders in the riding community to gather with. 
Yeah. yeah. I think that's good. We, we liken it to climbing Mount Rainier. It's something that almost anybody can do if they put in the time and the planning and, the, and they develop the skills and the stamina and the strength and all that to do it. And a BDR is similar. You don't want to just buy a bike and go ride a BDR, just like you don't want to go to REI, buy some stuff, and then just start taking steps up Mount Rainier. <laughs> Nobody ever does that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's much the same. So you, you baby steps. You know, you get the bike, you get some off-road practice and skills, uh, then you start adding some... Uh, weight to it and you do a one day or an overnighter and you sort of build up to it. Um, Ina mentioned community and um, that's really important as well and we're lucky that we have the Touratech rally just a few hours away that's the last weekend in June every year and we'll have over a thousand people there. It's all adventure riders. Most people come on their adventure bikes. We've got um, on-site training like three or four different training schools doing off-road training. We have clinics and classes and presentations so it's kind of this immersion experience where you can just really live the, the adventure lifestyle, meet other people, learn. We have, I think we'll have seven different factory trucks there this year. Oh, so wow. That's Harley, cool. Honda, Yamaha, Triumph. Um, I think everybody but BMW pretty much is going to be there with their factory demo trucks. KTM is always there. And so you can throw a leg over different adventure bikes. You can pick the brain of world travelers. There's all kinds of knowledge sharing opportunities there. So if, if someone's new to it, that's a great place to go to just learn experience meet people i think it's important like on my klr like the first thing i did was i got i got crash bars and things like that and things like that and another thing i did i learned is load up the bike and then tip it over and learn how to stand it back up because that's one of the hardest things to do because you're in a huff you're in you know you want to you feel stupid for doing it but and then learning that is a, is a it's a vulnerable it's a great skill to, skill to have on any bike the monkeys are a little easier because you can literally just pick them up but um, <laughs> bigger bikes you know it's a good skill that's funny that you said bmw wasn't going to be there of all people who yeah. kind of like they i guess they're sort of known for they the don't have off-road bike bikes <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're i mean they've they're pretty much responsible for creating the genre. They weren't the yeah. only company, but they were kind of the first and the most, um, I think, entrenched in the adventure scene. But sometimes when you're the market leader like that, you don't have to work as hard as other people to, to get the sale. And Fair. so that's why, yeah. like Harley Davidson, for example, they just came out with that Pan American. It was the first adventure model that that company's made. Seems to be doing well for them, too. Oh, yeah. They're selling as many as, as BMW um, in terms of as, as many as the, the big 1200 GS, 1250 GS terms of unit sales but they are working really hard they had a, a factory demo truck that went every single weekend to some event all year long they're spending more money than anybody has ever spent on a product launch for an adventure motorcycle before and they they got the market in one year but they spent and they put a ton of effort into it whereas bmw because they're you know the 800 pound gorilla they just don't spend like that they don't work as hard because they've got the dealer network and they've got the product and the reputation and it kind of sells itself so they don't have yeah. to be out there hustling so that's that's why i think they're not at the event although i think they should be i think they should be too harley davidson had a hard time with those electric bikes and the whole long weight up and yeah, stuff. yeah. so that's I'm, I'm glad to see them get into that market because i think it's something that a lot of their riders are going to get into yeah i followed that it pretty much saved the company because harley was basically dead yeah like they were they were having massive challenges management challenges yeah mm -hmm. sales challenges they're like a lot of industries they're target market is aging out and they're having a hard time replacing those riders and they tried marketing to younger folks and all that but they they took a gamble they took a flyer on the adventure bike but fortunately for them it's it's a good bike yeah um, i haven't we just we're buying one at tour that's coming in we have a product range for it so i'll get to to ride that here soon 
But all of the reviews, all of the magazines really liked it. Everybody that I've talked to that's bought one or ridden one, it's better than they expected it would be. It's got some cool technology with this ride height where you get on it at low and it automatically goes yeah, high. Yeah, pretty cool. And that's like, I've been you know selling adventure hmm. stuff in, in trade show booths for almost 15 years now. And the number one complaint, people walk by and they're like, I like those bikes, but they're too tall. I'm short legs. I can't ride them. And that's tippy toes. Yeah. And yep. so Harley, you know, new to the market, they fixed that problem in a way that nobody else has. I mean, BMW has low models, but they stay low. Yeah. Right. And so then when you stop the Harley, does it come down? Yeah. Oh. It automatically does it as you decelerate. Cool. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of brilliant. It's a, it's a solution that now seems obvious, but it, nobody thought of it until they did. So they've done some things really right. Can yep. you jack it up when you're like, if you're slow riding and you need more height, can you, is, is there, is there control? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Because to me, I'm thinking Good like, question, actually. Yeah, that's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm going through a rock field, I'm like, I need a little more clearance. Yeah. <laughs> Hit it, the bags. Yeah. <laughs> trials mode. Exactly. Yeah, trials mode. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, then you can't, but then when you're slow riding, you can't touch the ground if you get off balance. So that's it, true. It's, it can go both ways, but. Yeah, every I've been following the reviews. I'm surprised I haven't actually seen somebody mention that because I've been in it. But that is the consistent feedback is it's a lot better than we expected. <laughs> and that's good for Harley. So I'm, I'm glad for them. I'm going to reach out to them. I want to get them on the show and talk about that. That's a, a good move. Yeah, I used to work in the industry. Uh, I worked for a local shop for six and a half years. and did, So it's, it's been fun to watch all the changes. You guys should come broadcast from the Touratech Rally, and then you could talk sure. to all kinds of different people. There's all the factories there. There's you know, <laughs> that sounds world horrible. travelers. Okay, we'll be there. There's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, darn. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty darn fun. We do some, some fun uh, slow speed. We have the slow race, which is kind of a slow trial style. We change the rules every time. And then we have a challenge course where we kind of see – who can get through the challenge course the cleanest on big bikes, and it's always a ton of fun. It's really fun uh, spectator sport. Um, and then beyond that, there's group rides, and there's usually eight or ten different rides in the area that you grew up and you know, and just fantastic. And we have it last weekend of June because that's right when the snow melts, and so it's like one of the primo riding areas, perfect time of year. The dust is down, and the forest fires typically haven't started yet, and so it's a really fun fun experience and if you pass all the tests you can go out riding with her and if you can catch her you win <laughs> and, and it's right off of the bdr the washington bdr okay so it's in we host it out of plane okay and oh, the yeah. washington bdr just comes I mean, right, it's right up the there. ridge a lot of the rides that we run through there use parts of of the bdr you can even ride the bdr to the event and then after go. the event ride up to canada on the bdr circle <laughs> yeah. just load the monkeys in the back of the raptor and get there okay <laughs> a little mobile sure studio. Not, why not yeah all right, so what's next for you? What do you think? That, I mean, so you guys are BDRX. I heard that. What are you guys riding? What's next for the, the big adventure, your own adventures, is what I'm asking. Not for the BDR. Personal adventures? Yeah. I've got a family trip to go to Hawaii. <laughs> awesome. I was just there. It's Good. great. <laughs> I just got back from the British Virgin Islands on a boat trip. That was fun. We actually don't ride that much other than for, for BDR. That's the, the yeah, the... Oh, the dirty little secret about working in the motorcycle industry is you don't ride as you don't much get as, to ride. as <laughs> people think. Well, you do, but not as much as people think. People think you, uh, like Ina says, I'm really just a paper pusher at Tour Tech USA. <laughs> um, but we, we do have um, an upcoming event, which is our annual fundraiser ride. And we're actually going to the East Coast, to Helen, Georgia, to ride oh, okay. to ride yeah. there. So it's a weekend where we have about 80 80 supporters who come and uh, we have daily rides uh, and then in the evening we do roundtable discussions about the future of the BDR and um, have some great speakers and inspirational um, presenters. Um, so that's what we're doing in May. That brings up a really good question. How do people support the BDR? Like how do, I mean, 
How, how do you guys work with fundraising and things like yeah, that? Yeah, you, you know, surprisingly, what we discovered recently is that BDR is 95% supported by the individuals because, you know, we have almost 40 adventure brands that are supporting us via our, um, you know, donations or they support our holiday auction. So people think that we are mainly supported by the industry, but it's actually 95% of our fundraising comes from individuals. So okay. um, we have a wonderful supporter, annual supporter program where for your donation, you can actually get discounts and perks from all these wonderful brands in the industry. Um, you can come to our fundraiser. You could bid on the holiday auction, which is a super fun event that we do online in December. We have travel packages, uh, training packages or uh you know, items for for the auction. Yeah, all yeah. kinds of good goodies that people want. Yeah, and, then go and to you a good can cause. get a good deal. Yeah. You could get a good deal on that. Sure, too. sure. So there's that. We talked about the fundraiser ride. That's a, a place we we raise some money. We also have just donations from from individuals. They can go to the website and just you can donate. Um, there's actually a donate button when you download the free GPS tracks. Yep. You can actually donate ten bucks, five bucks, twenty bucks, whatever you want there. Don't and then we we also have done. It's worth the money, by the way. If you yes, download it, absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pay the money. Yeah. And then we have we're now a five hundred one c three nonprofit. And so uh, if you work for bigger companies that have matching programs for charitable donations, um, you can donate and have your employer you know double the donation. We also sometimes receive generous donations from charitable trusts, family trusts, people that have um, set aside money for charity, and then they can give it to any qualifying charity. So we do get some money uh, that way. And we've even had one person put the BDR in his will. And so upon his uh, untimely demise... Some of his money will will go to the BDR because he just That's believes. Good. We in it wish that you strongly. a long life until yeah. you don't, and then we'll la- gladly take the money. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So we're we're fortunate that it's gone pretty well. There were there were in the early days when I first brought on Ina, I said, you know, Ina, you got to bring in uh, enough sponsorship and fundraising to cover yourself and everything that the BDR is doing, and that was you know eight years ago, and she's done it every single year, and so we've always. Um, there were days when we weren't sure how we were going to cover cover the expenses, and it's it's better now. We're um, we do a good job on on fundraising, and you know we have some pretty cool deliverables for the community with the free GPS tracks and all the planning resources and all the advocacy stuff that we do. So it's worked out pretty well. But like Ina said, it's community support, man. All the people that are out there that love the experience, that give back. That's what allows us to keep keep going. And you guys asked what's next. What route is next, Dina? Yeah, we're doing Oregon. Yeah, finally. Because Oregon so, existed. I'm, explain this. Yeah. Like you were saying before, like it's the BDR kind of existed. Yeah. So before, someone yeah. someone created the Oregon BDR. It was Bob and Cheryl Green Street um, way back in the mid-90s. And they had this vision to create these off-highway routes. Um, they did Oregon first because they lived in Oregon. And then they were going to create one in Washington. And they were going to have it go all the way from you know the Canadian border to the Mexican border. And they actually had fundings from the government. There was in-ground markers. It was this thing. And then they got sued by some environmental concerns. And they had to use the remaining funding to pull out all the in-ground signs. And they kind of decommissioned it. And then a a Jeep club uh, took it over. The Oregon Off-Highway Vehicle Association, which is mainly Jeep guys, took it over. And they sold um, paper maps. It was basically like photocopies of 
of maps. I think I remember that actually. That yeah. you, you'd make a donation, they'd mail, it, and it was just totally unusable, not very good. And so very few people did it. It was it lived in obscurity until we created the Washington route, which was inspired by the Oregon route. We give them full credit for what they did, and created the GPS tracks. And we trusted the motorcycle community to use the GPS tracks and to not get lost in that. Whereas the Jeep Club Jeep Club guys were of the opinion that people would get lost with GPS tracks for some reason. They thought the paper maps were better. And so they basically never stepped up with the times and it just, it's still there, but no one really does it. And like we talked about routes changing and things, I rode their route and there's, you know, 10 foot tall trees that are in the middle of the two track on these because no one's gone there. It's decommissioned road. So they haven't um, stayed current. So we've, the number one question that Ina and I get is when are you going to do Oregon or how come you guys don't have Oregon? And so we, finally are going to do Oregon and, and that will be really nice. It's also kind of full circle from where it all sort of started and got inspired yeah. by. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. I know that route a little bit. We've done, we go past it quite a bit on the rally on yeah. the Seamont rally. We go kind of crisscross it coming down. back yeah. We're also working on Northern California route, Montana, Southeast. So yeah, there's plenty of routes in the works right now. That's great to hear. You know, do you have a lot of women to ride with? On the BDRs, I do. I mean, no, there's. I mean, there's more and more women coming coming into the sport, and a lot of good role model models um, like Jocelyn Snow is one uh, that's been featured in oh, all yeah, of our yeah. films. Um, seen in the films, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, you know this form of recreation is definitely welcoming and and opening its doors for more women to come and experience it. Yeah, we had three women on this most recent filming yeah. trip, which was was cool. And, you know, the Touratech rally, the first year we did that, which was 10 or 11 years ago, we had one woman at the Touratech rally. There was probably 100 people there. It's like 99 guys and one woman. <laughs> and now we have like women's programs and women's classes. And there, there must be 100 women there now or something like that. It's really grown. And so there is quite, quite a women community. She ADV was kind of a women's um, riding group that we created or Touratech helped helped fund. And so they, they do a good job getting out there and create this sort of network and resources and inspiration for women riders, much the way that BDR inspires a general group. She ADV is pretty good at getting women connected and linked up and um, not riding just with a bunch of dudes. Yeah, we were at the Dirtfish Women's Summit, which was hosted by the Rimmer family, and a lot of the women there also ride. And they're, they, it's obviously motorsports in general, but a lot of them are rally drivers also riders. Like, it tends to go hand in hand. We've seen a huge surge in women in motorsports lately, and especially this as well. I've seen them more out, out and about and just see more women on motorcycles. It's great to see. So I'm glad to see you guys have a program or many programs that you're involved with around that. So. Yeah, we and we have a lot of women involved in the BDR. Tracy Jeffries is a long-term volunteer. She's been instrumental in, in everything we do. You know, Ina runs the organization. We have another woman. Jocelyn Snow is a board member now. And so we yeah, are very women-focused and have a lot of representation and a lot of women that just do a lot of the work of the BDR. Yeah, uh, we've got Sherry. That means Port it'll be done right. So right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've got Sherry in uh, Portland running the Oregon Avants, and mm-hmm. we've got uh, Chrissy here running things in the North, uh, Washington. So yeah, correct. Not yeah. Adam. <laughs> Adam. Who is Adam? Nobody knows Adam. No, no, no. He's not here. Yeah. Anyway. All right. 
Well, any other questions, Nick? For this? I'm good right now. I just want to go I'm ride. I'm taking it all. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm looking outside, going, God, so we could ride. Let's talk dates. What are the dates of your your so next? Uh, we're thinking. Adventure? We're thinking the the second, the first week of July. The second week of July after second the holiday week, weekend yeah. is probably what we're thinking. Just to minimize the fire or not the yeah. the Ear- weather chance. Yeah, the Earl- passes. earlier is better for Idaho because the fires are are factor yeah. out there. Although a lot of it's already burnt, but it seems like there's always new uh, new <laughs> still flares. read lights. Yeah, I don't so know how that found. how that can be possible. Yeah. Um, Something you guys should consider is filming that because it sounds like super fun and funny and submit a then film for the... Then proof of it happening. No. <laughs> yeah, then <laughs> no, submit okay. a film for the BDR Film Festival. We okay. do a film festival every year. It's part of our fundraising and it's just super fun. We get uh, the community submits these 100-second films. We we judge them and, and how many how many did we pick, Derek? What are the... How many make it into the... Yeah, so five, five and ten of the films get selected and then we sometimes of the... the Better films. We have some longer format, five to seven minute films that are kind of the main course or the main event at the film festival. So you guys should consider doing that because I think we it do sounds film cool. a lot when we do. I it, think a hundred so. seconds is to show enough to show people how stupid we are. So that I think that could work. We can work <laughs> into hundred. You especially, yes, yeah. <laughs> they can say all they want. I don't think anybody's having more fun out there than us on this. Yeah, it's true. It's true. If I keep my GoPro on my bike. Yeah, that's true. There's some really great footage of that somewhere. <laughs> it's like footage right until Nick crashes. We looked everywhere for that. Uh, speaking of not leaving a trace, we went. We looked everywhere. Oh for yeah, that we spent camera. hours yeah. in our day trying to find so, the lost GoPro. You know, like, well, since, since, somebody's since, traction or somebody picked it up. Yeah, yeah. Somebody it, got some. Good it's footage. not a filming trip unless you lose a GoPro or a drone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I've lost those both. Yeah, it's not, it's not funny. Uh, I've lost a lot of drones. Um, DJI should come to me. We're not riding over water. We should be. Oh all right. God, I've lost a lot of drones in water too. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So nice. Got to pay to play. Yep. All right. So if people want to ride the BDR. It's uh, ridebdr.com. If they want to get a hold of you guys, what's the how uh, should they follow? At uh, BDR or TourTech. Either way. Okay. Yeah. TourTechUSA.com is our, the TourTech website. We've got adventure experts that can help people get outfitted for adventure. And then you mentioned ridebdr.com at ridebdr. We've got very active social on Instagram and Facebook. We've got group pages for all of the routes. So if you're interested in the Idaho route, like you guys are, yeah, we are on it. Very get, useful. Get on there, see what's going on. There's, there's a lot they have of real, real paper maps, which I love. Yeah, Butler maps are Butler fantastic. Maps, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. that's done in partnership with Butler maps. That's something that um, Butler sells. It's just sort of an accessory to what we do. Everything on our website is free. The free GPS tracks, the Butler map is a good planning resource for planning your trip, but also showing your friends and trying to recruit friends to get on their monkey and, Come ride BDR with you. Do you want to talk about how easy it is to take those points and drop them into a, the GPS? Like you oh, did? yeah. Importing a GPX file is super easy. If those of you who are intimidated by doing that, uh, they have very clear steps. Thank you for that very much. Um, really easy to do with, especially Garmin. Um, I think you guys are recommending the, what is the, what is the one we have? Gaia? Gaia? Montana. Yeah, we use okay. we have, we Gaia, used we use Gaia's have a, we have a Montana 750 yeah. air. Yeah, we actually ran in conjunction between GPS on our phones and in, and on there, and we used Gaia and we used Onyx Off Road and yeah. kind of compared all the th- all three as we Good. went along. It was yeah. not hard to get <laughs> where we needed to go on the web. Yeah, very well marked. Yeah, so. there's a lot of good solutions out there. Yeah, the phone based stuff is easy to use and slick. Um, there's, it's also still really good to have a you know proper Garmin GPS that's ruggedized and waterproof and make you sure know. you have the right phone mount or you will kill your camera. We found that out really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, and we we've been using Quadlock just because they hold the phone so well. But charging because the using GPS full time with your screen on full time will drain your battery, 
really quick, no matter what phone you have or how good you think it is. Also, yeah. it will be covered in dust. So that's another advantage of having a standalone GPS. Although on a full adventure bike with a windshield and a lot of <laughs> space and coverage around your phone, a little less of a problem, but on our monkeys. Oh, real, just, real adventure bike. Got real it. Adventure okay, yeah. I think you guys need like a full rally tower on those I things like, with a couple that. of GPSs, one zoomed out, one zoomed in. <laughs> we'll I can help you see over it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. The tower's higher than the bike. Yeah. So Brandon, who's not here right now, he, he will be here later this evening. Um, he had a CRF 450. It was a 450L, right? No, he didn't have a sort of CRF. Yeah, no, he, he did. He sold it. It was the one with the full oh, rally. Oh, yeah. He, I'm he, sorry. He had the, yeah, he did. He was yeah. one of the early adopters, and he had the full rally tower on it. Got his plastics from overseas, the whole nine, and yeah, big rally guy. Yeah. I Eno, think about it. Ina wanted one of those for her 701, the full rally tower thing, and I was like, nope. I've seen the way you ride, and the the... the, 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 the <laughs> The crashing that she does, I said, that's too too much money to be breaking off your motorcycle. So, I grew up riding single track, so for me, it's really hard to get anything big and feel normal. Like I've done track days, stuff like that, and I've also done a lot of single track. And so for me, it's like even getting on like a CRF 450 feels like this is too much. I want to put me back on a small two-stroke. I just need something <laughs> that's linked to my helmet so when it goes, you went the wrong way, dumbass. Like because I'm always looking out ahead. Because if I look down, I'm going to be off the trail. So yeah, you'll get used to yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I could do that on the 450. I could, on the RL, we could, I could get a rally tire on there. Yeah. Yeah. True. Nice. That's what I think you need. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you guys coming in and taking the time and, and, and giving the information. Like I said, we're big fans. We will continue to be big fans, um, and we will continue to, to, you know, ride in the right lane and watch out for animals. What was the third one? Ride respectfully. Ride respectfully, of course. That's right. Yes. So. Yeah. I, I, was drive, I was going through Utah, and I actually came across a gate off-road in Utah, and it said, close the gate behind you. That was the sign on the gate. I thought it was stop. You know, because around here, it's like anytime you see a gate, it just means you're done. Utah, they're like, no, close the gate behind you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love Somebody will lose. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, anyway, Paul, Ina, thank you again. Thank you for all your work from all of us who ride and go off road. Really means a lot to us. We do appreciate it. So, <laughs> for this uh, edition of the Avance podcast, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there, enjoy the drive or the ride.